everyone, and welcome to the show. Today we're talking with Nick Gasworth, and he's going to tell us what it's like to be an emergency substitute cover for a lot of different roles in the show of Wicked, when you fly in to literally save the show all over the country. He'll also tell us what it's like being a new dad in the industry. But before we get there, if you haven't listened to the introductory episode, please take a moment to do that now. All right, places for top of show. Nick Gasworth is an actor-singer known for the Broadway musical Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, as well as A Christmas Story, where he performed in the ensemble while being a cover for multiple roles. He was in the national tour of Wicked for two years and is now serving as an emergency sub for five roles, flying out to cover them as Wicked continues to tour the country. He's also a new dad to an eight-month-old baby. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. I'm so happy you're here. So for our listeners out there who are spread out all over the country, can you give us a very, very little brief version of where you're from and sort of how you got to Broadway? Yeah. Um, so I'm um, originally from L.A. Uh, and I uh, moved away as soon as I graduated high school. Um, I went to school at the University of Michigan for musical theater, which was half, half an accident um, uh, and a very fortuitous one. Uh, then ended up in New York, uh, pounding the pavement and scraping by, and little by little, uh, made my way to Broadway. Uh, it took about oh god, what was my Broadway debut was 2012, so it took me a good chunk of years after I graduated to get there. Well, you got there eventually, which is no small feat. So congratulations there. <laughs> and what was your Broadway debut? My Broadway debut was A Christmas Story the Musical. Wonderful. Can you tell us about that and what you were doing in the show? Yeah, so I was in the ensemble, um, and I actually I started with it at its uh, during its its out of town tryout, which was a little mini tour. Um, and I'd actually gone to college with Ben Pasek and Justin Paul, who wrote the the music and lyrics, uh, and uh, and kind of jumped in at the last ish minute for uh, that out of town, where I was a foley artist, like an on stage foley artist in this kind of radio show conceit that ended up getting changed for Broadway a little bit. But so I actually started with the show barking like a dog into a microphone and making sound effects and then hopping off stage and hopping back in to do ensemble wait, stuff. Wait, 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 yeah. what? If you were, if you, okay, think uh, about the Christmas Story movie, right? Yes. And there's always the narrator, the Gene Shepard character is narrating. Um, and so in the this kind of earlier iteration of the show, the Gene Shepard character would narrate, which he did on in the Broadway version, but he would narrate and then be accompanied by his assistant who they named Jimbo Buxton. We don't know why. Uh, so I was Jimbo Buxton and I sat on stage with a bunch of props and a stool for all like three hours of the show, knocking things together and making sounds and barking like the bumpus hounds and doing all kinds of ridiculous things that ended up 100% being cut for the Broadway <laughs> version. <laughs> all um, that hard work. I was, well, I mean, I wasn't what I was hired to do. I was hired to be in the ensemble and, and ultimately understudy. Yeah, so like it was kind of funny and kind of fun and it, it didn't really work. And so it was cut, but I still got to continue with the show, which I was very, very, very grateful for. Um, and then just, you know, regular uh, ensemble guy and covered the uh, uh, the old man, which is the father character and uh, um, uh, Santa, uh, but I never got to do either. Oh, I was going to ask you if you yeah. ever went on. So flash forward to yeah. Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, which I guess mm -hmm. from here on out, we'll just refer to as the Great Comet. Sure. <laughs> it's easier <laughs> to say. Yeah, it's a long name. Yeah. Can you talk to us about that show and your experience there? Yeah. So so similarly, I joined that uh, show in its out-of-town trout as well, and that was at ART uh, in, uh, in Boston, in Cambridge. 
Um, and uh, I, it was, I was in the ensemble of that and got to grow out my, my giant Russian style beard for it and got to be uh, a crazy Russian party animal, which was just a blast. Uh, and then luckily moved with it, with um, the majority of that company to Broadway. Amazing. So ta- yeah. so now you're covering Wicked, right? Kind of, yeah. So I, I for the for January and February, I got a, a, a handful of phone calls um, for to, to come out as an emergency replacement. Um, so during the first of that was the Omicron spike, which was, as everyone knows, pretty bananas, um, uh, even in the grand scheme of things. So basically what had happened was the show was just, everybody had Omicron. The show was down uh, enough people that they physically couldn't mount the performances. And so mm. they called me and I, I want to, the number might not be completely accurate, but I, I want to say my first show back in, in two and a half years this January, there were 11, 10 or 11 of us who were not current company members in the show. So we were all Wicked alumni who had flown in and to kind of like dive bomb the company and try to save the show. Oh Which, my gosh. I mean, it's like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I, I mean, I, I met people that I was doing the show with in the middle of the show. So in one instance, I was, so I was on for the father track. And if anybody knows Wicked, he's the one that sings the very beginning, how, how I hate to go and leave you lonely, the very, very top of the show and all of that. I didn't, I'd never laid eyes on the person I was singing that to uh, oh, until that moment word. on stage. And there were some crazy things like that. And ultimately I did that. I think five different people did that mother role across from me in the course of that week. Um, and most of us ended up catching Omicron as we knew that we would, but we were all vaccinated and boosted and, and healthy. Um, and it just meant mandatory quarantines. But it was this like, everyone just fly in and uh, dive bomb and whatever we can save, we can save because that's what you had to do. And that was wait. So, so, okay. So we've covered, you know, we cover a lot of stuff on this show, but we haven't yeah. really gotten into the nitty gritty of what it means to be an emergency sub. Is that the mm-hmm. same thing as a vacation cover? It's not that different. Um, especially since the, the emergency cover thing isn't really a, a you know it's not like a technical yeah just explain term. to us how that yeah. how that works that you like were in wicked yeah. the show properly and and, oh, sure. and you learned the roles yeah start from there and just tell us how that works yeah so so when i did the show full time um uh, it was for almost two years uh, and i was a swing uh, and uh, i suppose most of you will know what a swing is but it's like an understudy for the ensemble so i covered two different principal roles. It was the wizard and Dr. Delamond. And I also understudied effectively four ensemble roles. Oof. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was a, it was a six track swing uh, job. And I'd never done that before. And it was absolutely insane, but also kind of really fun and really rewarding. Uh, once you get over that hump of, <laughs> Shock. oh my God, I don't know anything. And what's going on? And there's all these people in crazy costumes. And, and I've only ever seen people backstage. And now all of a sudden, you know, Becca has a hat and I'm looking for a hat and not a person, for example. But so I did all those things. That's great. I left the tour right before the pandemic. And then pandemic happens, a couple of years goes by and the tour has kind of restarted and they've been going for a number of months and Omicron hits and they say, hey, panic, panic, panic. We need you and lots of people to come in. We're calling because you have done the show. We don't know how fresh you are. We don't know how good you are. We don't know what you remember but can your body make it to Wicked? Wow. So we just got there, whatever we could rehearse, we rehearsed. Uh, Luckily for me, the matinee I was flying into to jump into was canceled because we didn't physically have enough bodies to do Wicked. There literally weren't enough people uh, available to do it. 
Wow. Um, the evening show and I got a chance to rehearse. But the first thing that happened as I, the plane landed in where Cleveland was I got a text from our stage manager, David O'Brien, who said, could you do father right now? And I was like, I mean, I guess so. Mm. We're going to find out. Uh, and, mm. and that's effectively what happened. When was the last time you had done the role of the father? November 2019. So like a year like, before. Almost two. Yeah, 2019. So it was 20, January 2022. So <gasps> I mean, almost two full years, really. Um, or more than two full years. Oh, my God. Math and. Um, uh, and pandemic times. Pandemic, pandemic math pandemic is hard. And brain and, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, it had been more than two years. But my story wasn't even the craziest. There was a guy there who hadn't done it in seven. <gasps> he hadn't done his track in seven. And there were things that he, you know, he couldn't do. He had to be spaced into group numbers that there wasn't time for. So he was just a good sport and singing what he could off stage and jumping on stage when he could and just filling in holes and blanks and you know wow. it was all hands on deck but it was really cool it was horrifying and kind of frightening but it was also <laughs> like you're like i'm gonna get through it but at that moment you just need the show to start and finish oh just do the show but everyone was so pumped and there was so much adrenaline because we all just were so on our toes because we had to be listening and we had to be just really paying attention yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, we've said on this show before, like, you know, when you go on and your adrenaline is pumping like that, it is a whole new world, not only for you who maybe haven't done not. a show ever or in a while, um, but for everyone else around you, right? It's nuts. Yeah. They've never seen you before. Sometimes, like no. you were saying, you you were acting opposite someone you barely, you hadn't really met or ever done the scene with, right? Yeah. I mean, some of them I had just because they were on tour with me before and they had continued their contracts through. But a lot of them I hadn't. Um, and, you know, specifically the, the woman who played mother for those first couple of shows, I was like, have never laid eyes on this person in my life. Uh, and they were very nice, which I got <laughs> to find out later on after the show was over. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but it was it was cool, though, because it was just a bunch of people who were like, all right. I mean, yeah, it's nice to make, you know, a week or so of, of salary, especially in these times right now. But it was also this great thing to see. Everyone just wants theater to survive. So we all flew in knowing full well that we might get sick because we could keep the show alive and we could keep what it is that we do alive. Because without that kind of thing, I don't know how any of this keeps going. That's incredible. I mean, Ooh, part nuts. of the reason I'm doing this podcast is just to show like you guys are the backbone of the industry that actually allow it to function, to keep that machine oiled and moving yeah. and keep the shows going. And I just want to give a big shout out and round of applause to all of you guys out there who are continuing to do this, especially in a time of COVID. And I mean, have you seen a kind of shift in in the way that theaters are using their understudies now in the time of COVID or incorporating them into the rehearsal process more? Can you speak to that? Uh, as far as rehearsal process, I'm not sure. Um, I, I've kind of always, my school of thought has always been as an understudy or swing, just be at every rehearsal that you could possibly feasibly think you might need to know. And not everybody subscribes to that. And some people kind of just wait and I'm not saying there's a right answer. But so for me, it's it's kind of business as usual as far as that goes. What I have noticed is theaters and productions and producers being a little bit more visibly supportive of their understudies and swings, which is very nice because yes. there was a long period of time where, you know, if you're an understudy or swing, we would get, uh, we would kind of not yelled at, but we would get, you know, kind of uh, talked down to for saying, hey, I'm on for whatever this role is and I'm I'm doing this thing tonight, come and see me. And they didn't want that publicized. They wanted people to think they were seeing, you know, whoever was billed in that role, 
even though the show wasn't going to suffer that you know it, it, it the show was the show um and now people are a little bit more like hey look at our awesome understudies you should come see them because they're great not oh we have understudies on guess the show won't be that good yes Which is completely as you know like very very well that's not how it works yes um, so it's 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 nice to it, it's nice to see that happening a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever get past the things like um, you know, if Josh Groban isn't on, for example, and people have come to see Josh Groban, I can understand people going, Well, that's a bummer, I'm not seeing Josh Groban. But rather than saying, let's leave and come back when he's there, the producers can say something to the effect of, but we have this other awesome dude who's gonna step in, whoever that happened to be in that case. But uh it's it's nice to see i've got friends going on on broadway shows who are able and allowed to say hey check me out i'm going on come see it uh, and without having to kind of hide behind you know whatever understanding yeah. you have to wear yeah and and it's so important because you know the understudies the swings the covers they are so super talented and rarely as you know get the recognition they deserve no sort of yeah. like confetti parade for them you know, when oh they're going. not usually and so yeah. I, I love mean, on stage backstage it, yeah. I, i've never had a situation where the company wasn't always super super supportive of understudies and swings because most of them have either done it or are currently doing it and they know that they can't do their job unless there are people like us stepping in so uh, totally. It's always been lovely and great. Um, can you talk to us about how you kept those or continue to keep the roles fresh for Wicked? Like you were saying, you know, yeah. you hadn't done it in a really long time. You're back in New York at a moment's notice. You can get a phone call and be like, hey, the Wicked company in this town like needs you today. <laughs> or like, right. How do you yeah, keep I mean, so, those roles fresh? Uh, so, I mean, first thing at that point was make sure I had a copy of the script. Um, I was actually I was home in L.A. when they called on Christmas uh, to fly out. And I was like, I don't have my script with me. So they emailed me, you know, a digital copy so I could brush up. But, you know, I, I still have my notes from when I was on tour before, brushed up on those and, you know, landed, got to my hotel room. And, and uh, after, you know, blasting through one show haphazardly, hoping I was doing it right, kind of like stepped through everything and tried to remember and, and wrote down any blanks that I had. I could ask dance captains and, and uh, stage management, but you kind of just... Put yourself back to where you were the last time you were comfortable in the show and and start from there because uh, if you start from oh my god i don't know what's going on that's the only thing that's going to be in your head so it's i don't know for me it's a mindset of i'm going to do this whether or not it's terrifying is completely irrelevant here we go so you're just hoping your muscle memory kicks in you've done it enough you can kind of put yourself back in that mental space of okay right my i go there i put i put this prop here right 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 it kind of all comes right. back to you all came back to me way more than I thought it would and a lot quicker than I thought it would, mm -hmm. given the, the time it had been. Um, but I think one of the, the things as an understudy or swing that's different than if you're just doing a role or doing the ensemble um, is you learn to do the math on the fly. So rather than know, all right, in this track, if I'm covering Matt, I have to be on number eight, stage right, just upstage of, you know, blah, 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 blah and all these technical things of exactly where I need to be when, Rather than try to memorize that and glue that into my head, especially since I'm not a dancer, I can say, right, I know there's going to be two people, one left of me and one right of me. I'm going to find the space that makes sense. And generally speaking, that math works out. So mm. kind of learn to adapt. But it also means that if something does go wrong, because they always will and they always do, um, it's live theater. That's the fun. You kind of have to adapt. So I think if going in with a mindset of we're all going to do this together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sink uh, or swim, uh, we're in it. 
Yeah, I mean, even in normal times, though, even in, in not crazy emergency swing times, if you're on as a swinger and understudy and, and you know, you're doing it with a group of people that that shifts and fluctuates as people are in and out of the show and as new people come in, especially with something like Wicked, you're like, all right, someone might know something slightly differently than I do. And if they do, that's OK. And you just have to go with it. Yeah. So so tell me more about your process, like especially from, um, you know, like a Christmas story and how it evolved in terms of you're like, OK, I know I'm an understudy. I know I'm covering multiple roles. I show up to rehearsal. Like, what do you have? What what's your mindset in terms of how you're tracking your characters and just your process of the nitty gritty of like how to do it? It, it was different for for all three of the shows that we're talking about um, for Christmas story. Like I said, I, I was kind of a little bit uh, of uh I was a little over eager with my understudy stuff in that I would show up to every single rehearsal and study and try to learn everything completely by rote and just, okay, John stepped his right foot here. I'm going to do the exact same thing um, and realize very quickly that that wasn't going to work. So from that point, I kind of started to study more the intent and any, you know, required blocking and movement and things that you need, need, need to have exactly right. That's all fine. But what I like to do is watch what they're doing, sit through rehearsals and figure out how to make their choices make sense coming from my brain and my body rather than try to copy inflection and mannerisms and things like that. It, it makes a lot more sense to me and it sticks a lot better if I can almost pretend that I'm doing the role and not understudying the role. Oh, 100 percent, because you have to own it at the end of the day. That's right. Yeah, it's going to be you out there and it's going to be your interpretation. And yes, you have to use the same general roadmap that the other yeah. actor is using. But yeah, you don't want to be um, it's not really mimicry, right? You have to embody the role no. yourself and give yourself that power. No, no, absolutely. And especially, you know, things like Wicked with with going on for the wizard. Um, I, I got to do that a bunch in my couple of years, but I'm also I don't know depending on who was playing the wizard at the time, between 20 and 30 years younger than they are. So I'm perfectly capable of playing the role, but I'm not going to play it the same way that a man in his mid-60s is going to play it, for example. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do um, an impression of Tom McGowan. He was our first wizard and he's wonderful, but he and I don't look the same, don't sound the same. Our personalities are very different. So if I go on and try to be Tom McGowan, it's just going to look and sound and feel weird. It's going to feel like I'm doing somebody else rather than doing the role. And every production is different. If you're if you're doing a Disney show, for example, I know that it can be a little bit more rigid because you have movie material that you need to kind of match more closely to and, and things like that. And every every show is different. Every management team is different. But, you know, with Wicked and Comet and, and Christmas Story, we were lucky that they weren't looking for for imitations out of the understudies. They were looking for actors to also do the roles when they needed to. That's so nice. And it's such an important oh, distinction when you can yeah. really make that distinction in your performance and in your mm -hmm. rehearsal process. It, it, you know, it's not always the case. And I, I've been lucky in that for me, for the most part, it really has. So uh, uh, and hopefully it continues to be that way. Now, I want to talk to you about being a dad in the business. I know you sure. have a new baby. Congratulations. Thanks. And can you just talk to us about how that's changed? I mean, obviously, it changes everything. It changes oh your life. But specifically, like the business and the industry and what you're having to think about now and perhaps negotiate that before wasn't really on the table. Yeah, I mean, it's all completely different. Um, it, it's, you know, I used to be able to kind of say, hey, you know, I've I see there's an audition for this show or my agent will, will email with with a breakdown and say, hey, do you want to go in for this? How's this appointment? And I'll look at it and go, I don't 
I don't know that I can can go to Idaho to do a production right now. I, you know, I don't, I have to be much more selective. There was no show in Idaho. I made that up. But there, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why Idaho, but um, I, I have to be a lot more selective, which is tricky coming out of the pandemic when none of us wants to be selective because we just want to be working. Yes. Um, and so there's a weird, there's a little bit of, of conflict uh, internally because I want to do all these jobs, but I also I'm not going to leave my wife alone with baby forever. Um, and, and, you know, we have to manage as a family being in the same place or doing the best that we can. But it means being a lot more selective right now, uh, which is which is tricky. But at the same time, it's so worth it. And it's it's so much more important. And that's what I keep telling people is it's it's nice to as I think about this, this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's really nice to have something way more important to think about than my own industry garbage. Um, yeah. go, oh my God, it's, you know, the pandemic has taken me out for so long and I don't know how to jump back in and I'm trying and everyone's trying and everyone's got the same, you know, post pandemic issues and anxieties, but I can also go, well, but there's something so much more important. So let's deal with this first and then figure out how everything else fits around her and around it. And it, uh, it's a it's a new world. It's a new world for all of us and a new world for me with a tiny person. Um, yeah, I mean, have you so had, I know it's COVID time, so auditions even are unfortunately still few and far between. Crawling but you, back, yeah. Yeah, they're crawling back slowly. <laughs> I mean, after she was born, did you have any experiences where like your mindset was di different, even in say auditioning for something? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's weird. I, I feel like with her in the picture, I kind of treat everything else with a little bit less uh, urgency. Um, not that things are less important, but nothing seems to me to have the same lasting drama that it had before. You know, so if I had a bad audition or, you know, I, or I was working on what, what acting choices I was going to make in a scene or something like that, and I really wasn't happy with it you know, how many auditions did we all used to go on in the before times, you know, many a week and you'd leave a bad audition and go, meh, okay, fine, life goes on. But uh, uh, now it's, the, that's even amplified because it just doesn't matter. There's, you're always going to have another, another chance to take a swing, right? Yeah. Um, isn't it incredible how kids yeah. can put things into perspective in a new way? I definitely yeah. relate to that. Like after the birth of my son, right. um, that same kind of experience where you're like, hmm, my priorities are a little bit different now. And how I kind of see the world is a little bit different now, especially the right. entertainment industry. You know, everything is now seen through the lens of of what she needs and, and, and the importance of that rather than the lens of Oh my God, I wasn't funny. What am yeah. I gonna do? How, I'm, a, I'm a terrible, terrible person. And I'll still do those things because I'm me and I'll still yell at myself and call myself bad names in my head, which my wife is really proud of me for. <laughs> um, but not as, not as much. What do you think is next for you? You know, I'm not sure. I've got a couple readings that I'm, I'm uh, kind of hoping to hear from and one that's coming up in a few weeks. You want to tell us about that? Um, sure. One of them I cannot yet, okay. uh, but one is is a a new show called uh, Double Helix, which I've been working on um, with uh, the writers, the fantastic Madeline Myers, who did uh, book lyrics and music, um, and it's about the uh, one of the the fairly or the lesser known um, women who helped discover the structure of DNA, and it's this incredible story that I did not know beforehand. So I'm I'm involved in in that show, and it's it's beautiful and cool, and and uh, really looking forward to to continuing working on that. Um, auditions are finally starting to almost feel like they did before. 
um, with the actual prospect of, of regional work uh, in between uh, any of the good, solid, awesome things we can snag uh, on Broadway and off-Broadway. Um, so that that's kind of what's coming up next and just waiting to hear and seeing what's happening. Things are happening. People are creating and working and, and building and mounting shows and and pieces and it feels nice that that's happening again and it feels good to be in the same room again with like creative oh people God. yeah looking somebody in the eye physically in a room and saying lines to them is is not quite uh <laughs> quite the same as looking at them over the screen like the little tiny times where you've been where i've been on for somebody and gone huh i'm completely standing in the wrong spot right now aren't i sure am and look across the stage and you see a panicked actor looking for you and you're 12 feet away. Yeah. Um, so like <laughs> lots of those little moments of, oh, I'm not on for Matt. I'm on for uh, for Jeff, aren't I? Cool. Great. <laughs> um, which happens. The the one story that pops into my mind is actually not specifically an understudy story, but it's an ensemble story. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure if it's applicable, but it was pretty embarrassing. I can I can tell you that. Oh, tell it. Oh, tell it. Uh, so if if you know Great Comet at all, um, there, you know, we're, we're all throughout the audience on you know, mezzanine in the orchestra, everywhere, 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 um, throughout the entire show. And there was this man sitting, uh, uh, and one of my little ramps that I sat on right in house left, uh, way in the back. And I'm sitting there and I'm messing around with people. There's there, the show's going on. It's all part of the thing. And I keep trying to ask this man to move his leg out of the way. Cause it's blocking the stairs and someone is going to trip and, and hurt themselves really badly. He won't move it and he's just grunting at me and he's angry and he's, he's pissed off and he won't talk to me I'm like okay fine so little by little the act goes on and i finally sit down next to him and i go hey man look i know you don't want to be here and that's okay but i really just need you to move your leg and i took my hand and i patted it pretty hard a couple times just like right above the knee and if you've ever seen young frankenstein when he pats the uh the the constable on the arm and it's hollow well Oh, I had, I, yeah, no. Yeah. No. So I had, I had just like thunked on this man's prosthetic leg. And oh, as the lights no. came up a little brighter at that moment, I noticed some like what looked to me like like Vietnam vet, uh, uh, like a hat and stuff that I could not see in the dark. Granted, <gasps> the man could have also like spoken up or something to me. I, 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 he was talking to somebody else. He just wouldn't talk to me. But uh, I ran backstage after that and looked at my buddy Azudi, who's also in the ensemble. And I kind of went, I can't go back out there now. Oh, I don't know no. how I go back out there after just completely, you know, knocking on the door of this man's prosthetic leg and kind of oh, wanting no. to crawl under oh, his no. feet and dig a hole and die. Um, so, I mean, that, that that's the story that always comes to mind, even though I know it's an understudy story. But Oh, we'll keep it. I love it. That was not my proudest moment. That was embarrassing. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us for the pod. Yeah. I loved every second of it. Can you tell our listeners out there some fun little tasty treats that they're oh. going to have if they go to the website, which is www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com and subscribe and become a patron mm -hmm. and support us in the show. Um, you know, they get some fancy little items from all of our guests that they can't find anywhere else. Can you tell them what will be in store for them for your behind the scenes content? Yeah, totally. Okay, so I have, um, in another life, I was a photographer, and so now I kind of still do it for fun. But through most of the run of Great Comet, I carried my uh, my little Fuji street cam around. Um, and so I have a collection of backstage photos and photos from tech that no one's ever seen. Ooh, um, and they're Nick. All like, yeah, they're like, you know, uh, 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 Lucas Steele, stand, who played Anatole, like just standing under a spotlight, waiting, waiting for things to happen while we tech the show. Oh my uh, gosh! A couple of Groban just hanging out, and, and all of us just at, at tech tables. 
um, the, the ensemble hanging out in our gondolas, which were, were weirdly set up because of the way the show was. So uh, us taking the subway home after the show, a bunch of us lived in the same kind of area. So I have a bunch of photos like that that are really, really cool that no one's ever seen. Um, and the second thing I thought would be cool was to record uh, uh, me playing and singing Dust and Ashes, which is a song that Pierre sings in the show. And that's one of the uh, roles I understudied. And I never got to do it. Uh, and in the show, he plays a little bit on the piano and stands up and kind of continues with the band playing under him. But I thought it might be fun to try and play the whole thing and just do a little solo version of it for y'all. Oh, Nick, that is so awesome. I know that I'm going to enjoy that. <laughs> I can imagine that all of our listeners out there are going to love it, too. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, my friend. And we wish you all the best. And you. Thanks so much for having me. Hey guys, Amanda here. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit the website www.waitinginthewingsbroadway.com and unlock some of that awesome behind the scenes content. Thanks.